You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine-fingered host, Dan Johnson. Here we go again. I got Ric Flair in my blood today. Woo! Who's ready for another podcast? We got a really good one today. We got Jared Sleff from uh, Lone Wolf today. He's going to talk about uh, the Lone Wolf family, the products and whatnot. Um, I've been using Lone Wolf for a while now, and it's always exciting to hear um, you know, the company history, the product specs. We talk a little bit about absolutely everything um, about Lone Wolf, the company, the products, like I just said, and uh, you're going to like it. We've, man, I've had to cancel with Jared probably three or four times. We finally got it ironed out, and uh, here it is for you guys today. Um, if if you're a hardcore hunter, you should have been in the tree this weekend. Uh, as far as what I saw, uh, we had a huge cold front come through Iowa, and uh, it might be coming through the eastern part of the country right now. But uh, I had 15 to 20 degree temperature drops, and uh, the morning hunts were almost cold for October, and that's kind of strange, but uh, we love those cold fronts. I got into the uh, stand, I took Friday off of work to, just to hunt this cold front. I uh, hunted Saturday morning, saw some, or Friday morning, uh, saw some decent deer movement. Uh, I saw a ton of deer on Friday night. Um, and I tell you what, I'm not a I'm not a huge believer in uh, deer movement because of the moon. But as the sun was going down, the moon was straight above me. And if you're a believer in that, maybe that had something to do with uh, what I was seeing in the evenings. But Friday night uh, had a just a, a phenomenal night. Uh, I actually had, believe it or not, too many deer around me, and. I had one doe group come from the north and another doe group come from the from the south and they were running through the bean field and one stepped on a stick and broke a branch or something which alerted another the the other doe group they started blowing and they ran back into the marsh and the other ones ran back into the timber but eventually all they ended up doing was spooking themselves they all came back out and um, I ended up passing um, a beautiful three-year-old that had some non-typicalness going on his head. Um, 
you know, he was fairly small, probably in the one, one thirty, one twenty class. But he was he was non typical, um, not a real shooter on my hit list. Uh, however, later in that evening, I did see one buck that I know for a sure was a shooter, uh, a four year old step out. And uh, although I didn't get a crack at him, he came out further down the fence line. Um, never did get a crack at him, but I know what I need to do for the next Northwest win. And, uh, I can't wait till that happens. And when it does, I might be taking another day off of work, depending on when that hits and, uh, going to, uh, back to that same area, uh, move my stand just probably 20, 30 yards, uh, to get into even better position. And, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see if that pays off a lot of deer, um, it's funny as I'm checking my trail cameras, I didn't even see a lot of deer sign in my area, but the trail cameras are showing that the bucks are there, just not a lot of signs. So maybe they're not, uh, fired up yet or, uh, they're not, that's not their, uh, core area. Who knows? The only, the only, only time will tell, I guess they could say. But, uh, like I said today, we have uh, a pretty badass podcast with Jared, the president of lone wolf. And, uh, other than that, I say we get into this commercial from Exodus Trail Cameras, and then we will uh, start the podcast. What is No Glow Black Flash, and why should we care? So No Glow Black Flash, essentially these are just marketing terms. And what they really stand for is the IR spectrum. Um, you know, we all are kind of familiar with infrared cameras. We get those black and white pictures at night. Some of us aren't excited about them. But, um, you know, what they were designed for is to, to spook less game. And essentially what the red flash cameras are is what we call 850 NM on the IR scale. So that's right at the peak of where human um, sight is able to pick up. Black flash or no glow cameras are at about 940 NM on the IR scale, which is essentially out of our realm or our spectrum of sight. Um, So what happens is we are unable to pick up those wavelengths past a few feet. And I think some people can see them pretty close up, but you know, if you were walking, uh, through the woods at night and a, and a black flash or no glow camera went off, you know, a few feet away, you probably wouldn't notice it. It's just that it's that hard to pick up. Why you should care about that is actually pretty interesting. If you like to hunt mature deer and you're in the mature deer, you should probably care. And the reason why is, you know, when we were developing the Exodus lift, our debut camera, and we were kind of putting Exodus together, Uh, We got about 5 million pictures during the development process, and we were actually working on a black flash and a red flash camera at the same time, and through all of our testing and those millions of pictures, we actually have data that shows that we got about 33 or 34, between 33 and 34 percent more pictures of mature bucks with the black flash cameras than we did with the red flash cameras. So, you know, it's an age old debate whether flashes spook deer or not. And I'm here to tell you that they do. Black flash is not a, an exception to that, but it spooks a lot less deer um, when we look at the black flash versus the red flash. And for me and the way that I hunt, um, that's a that's a big deal. And that's that's reason enough that uh, we actually didn't even release a red flash camera because we didn't want to put out a product that uh, that would be at risk of spooking deer. If you guys want to find out more information about Exodus trail cameras, visit exodusoutdoorgear.com. And if you do decide to purchase, I strongly suggest you do. 
Use the code nine fingers at checkout. That's the number nine followed by the word fingers, no spaces, and you will receive $20 off of your purchase. Now let's get in to today's podcast with Jared from Lone Wolf. All right, on the phone with me now is Jared Schliff, the president of Lone Wolf. How you doing today, Jared? I'm doing good, Dan. How are you? You know, I can't complain. It's uh, bow hunting season, and uh, any time that you can uh, bow hunt is a good day, right? That's for sure. That's for sure. Sometimes uh, during the busy production season, I'm looking out the uh, window at the right wind or the right temperatures and wind, and it makes it pretty <laughs> tough sometimes. So Right. I hear that. I sit in a cubicle for, uh, you know, 40 hours a week. Uh, and it's, uh, it's pretty difficult, especially when you're watching a cold front come through in uh, late October and you'd rather be in the tree stand. Yeah, I totally understand. I, I actually, I don't use any of the cell phone cameras that send the pictures to my phone because I think that I've always said that would make it that much worse if I was seeing deer <laughs> <laughs> on the move on their feet during daylight hours and I'm sitting behind my desk. So I've, I've kind of outlawed those around here. Yeah. I can see productivity going down a bit if that's Yes, it makes case. it hard. That's right. So, um, it's, uh, it's bow season, right? And, uh, for me, that means getting out, you know, climbing trees and uh, and tree stands. And me and you, we've uh, bounced back and forth and back and forth, uh, trying to get this thing scheduled. And finally, we're here. We're uh, going to talk about Lone Wolf today. But um, I think what I'd like to do is start at the very beginning. And um, maybe if you could give us a company, you know, kind of a, a synopsis of Lone Wolf as a company, and give us a little company history. Sure. Um, we started in, or we purchased the company actually in 2006 um, from uh, the previous owner, Andre D'Aquisto, in the Milwaukee, Wisconsin area. And Andre had a, a longtime history for um, killing big deer. Um, he, he really developed a take-it-to-em style of hunting, and he needed the kind of stands to be able to do that, packable, lightweight, they had to be extremely quiet, and that's where everything kind of evolved. And at the time, you know, cast aluminum stands were obviously unheard of, and Andre had developed and, and founded the original cast stands and patented those those cast aluminum stands and, and really got things rolling for Lone Wolf as far as that complete hanging hanging system now besides a climber, even though we had climbers, but really made a hang-on and climbing stick system work just as easily as a climber for those places that you maybe can't get to with a conventional climber, those places like here in the Midwest where we've got so many trees that have twists and, and crooked design to them, but places that we had to be during the rut. And really developed kind of a niche market um, through, I guess, the 90s. And the, the word of mouth, I guess, was the biggest marketing avenue at that time for the Lone Wolf Stands, where uh, the guys in the local archery shops that were serious about what they were doing got their hands on a Lone Wolf and, and were very successful with them, and they spread that word to their buddies and other people in that area, and it just slowly started growing. And when we bought the company in 2006... 
some of the things that we really wanted to bring to the table were a larger marketing presence behind the company, create more awareness with growing the product line, um, changing some things and, and evolving it. It's, um, the original stands were really hard to improve on because of the design features and the quietness and whatnot. So over time, there hasn't been, there has been changes, but they're smaller changes, you know, on different things from the platforms and different design changes that just make things more efficient. But the main meat and potatoes is still there. You know, the ca- it's built around that cast aluminum, American-made, high-quality product that just gets the job done. I get what you pay for type product, if you will. Right. And so what we started doing is we, um, we actually introduced the ladder stand that first year, and it was truly, I think, one of the best ladder stands, if not the best ladder stand I think ever built. One of the problems that we saw was in ladder stands is they had a lot of flex and twist to them, and they, and they made noise. So we set out to build a ladder stand that was rock solid, rigid, that you'd want your your older father or maybe your young son that's just starting climbing in and out of and feeling secure and safe, you know, when you when you put them up in that stand. And we think that we we built just that. I mean, it was a great stand. Realized that the volume in the ladder stand market was more of a price sensitive type market. And that was a fairly expensive ladder stand. And we, production-wise, I mean, it was very expensive to build. And we actually discontinued it after, I think, two years. The neat thing, looking back now, I still get calls to this day of guys that have actually bought that stand, and they all want more of them. And I think that's very consistent. And we've always kind of had in the back of our mind being able to do another ladder stand from Lone Wolf that, that serves that purpose, you know, rock solid, rigid, super quiet, a stand that's true 16 foot to the platform type thing like that one was. But we realized, okay, through that, it's not really our market. Our market is the serious um, ticket to them style of hunter that, you know, want to be mobile. Um, A lot of these guys are hunting public ground and we take for granted, you know, hunting private properties all the time. How many people, and it's getting more and more, as years go on, being able to get on properties for people, especially in some states. So we realize that a lot of those guys that really believe and need lone wolf are these guys on public ground, and they've got to get in there and compete with other hunters for those same deer on that property. But they've got to be different. They've got to be able to be more extreme, and they've got to be quieter. They've got to be more efficient, and they've got to get into those places and those public properties that the general hunter cannot get into with his equipment. So that has really, every year since, has just kept growing and growing. Whereas our climbers, as strong as they are and as popular as they are across the country, there's a lot of states that just aren't as conducive to a climbing stand as others. You know, being from Illinois here, you know, we're very blessed to have some of the best deer in the in the country, you know. Um, one of the states that's producing some of the biggest deer. So our public grounds have some very big, mature whitetail on them. And the thing we don't have is a lot of straight trees out there in the woods. You know, maybe on those hardwood ridges there are, but where these bucks are going during the rut, you know, down in the thickets and the twisted hedge thickets, 
Um, there's not a lot of trees that you can get a conventional climber into. So we've really trained and taught our followers our hang-on style of system with our climbing sticks and a hang-and-hunt type version where we go up the tree one time. We can beat an 8, 16, 18 foot just as fast as you would with a climber, only we're not cutting branches as we're going. Um, and it's really turned on a lot of people to that system. And whereas some of these guys that, that were onto it wanted to keep it their best kept secret because that was their weapon that they were able to go in and be successful on the same piece of public property that other guys couldn't be. So some of our biggest battle has been educating and, and getting the word out there on that type of system that, that, hey, you know, this is available to be able to get into those spots, you know, basically opening up that secret to everybody. And that just keeps growing year after year after year, and we keep improving on the product, Dan, to make it more conducive for that type of hunting scenario. And right. and even so, even though it's not public ground, we actually use those same tactics and that same setup on our own private ground to go in and keep these bucks on their toes where we're not being patterned, but we're doing way more scouting and surveillance and waiting for the right wind and the right conditions when those bucks are on their feet during daylight hours, and we'll go in and hang and hunt on the spot to try to kill that particular animal that we've got on camera. Okay. Now, my my next question is, when you guys purchased the company, how many tree stands did the lone wolf have? And then maybe elaborate on, you know, maybe a timeline of introducing new products, you know, up until today. Sure, I'll do my best on that, Dan. But yeah, um, when we when we first bought the company in '06, there was an assault hang-on stand, which was the small, compact unit. And keep in mind, all these stands fold to a four and a half inch profile. So I would consider all of our stands mobile and packable. But you had the little assault, then you had the Alpha hang-on, which was a larger version of. Uh, a 19 and a half by 30 platform and there was a sit and climb there was a hand climber unit at the time which was a little more bow hunter friendly since you didn't have a, a rail or you weren't slung down in a sling style seat there was the climbing sticks i think offered in a four piece a three piece and a single and i think that's that's pretty much it i believe there was a camera arm in the um, yeah. in the arsenal at that time. So when we first looked at things, you know, going back in our history, we were, my brother-in-law, Jeff uh, Weaver, who's my partner here, we were using a lone wolf product and believed very strongly in it. We had used everything under the sun, and we actually had a neighbor that had, I think, got, a lone wolf hang-on stand. I think it was an alpha hang-on and a set of climbing sticks for his birthday. And he said, I tell you what, I don't have time to bow hunt. Why don't you guys go out and hang this stand for me? You guys are welcome to sit in it. I'll hit sit in it during gun season. So for the first time ever, you know, getting in the lone wolf, you know, we went out and we hung this set. There was three of us and all three of us were standing there saying, wow, you know, I can't believe how fast we hung this system, how rock solid it is. And how the sticks, you know, how how lightweight and easy to hang, and and you can pivot the steps back and forth. And at that point, 
we literally, I think we had 40-some hang-on stands in the woods, and we started throwing them in the dumpster, <laughs> giving them away, um, and just started eliminating all of them and started adding to our arsenal um, one or two at a time with a lone wolf product. And so when we bought the company, we believed very, very strongly in this. But since we had been using it, there was, you know, it was a great stand, but there were little things that we wanted to change about it just to make it even more efficient. And, you know, streamline production on, on certain things. Um, so over the years, I'll do the best I can on a timeline. Um, we changed the, um, the the hand climber. We made some changes on that immediately. Part of it was through the process um, the casting process, which we won't get into detail on that, but we reconfigured the, the top section uh, in 2006. We, um, we looked at the, uh, the hanging seat on the sit and climb stand, which I thought, you know, was a tremendous stand. People loved it, but the seat on it, it was an all camo cushion. Um, the things that I saw needed improving on were were definitely the seat to go along with that stealthy stealthy stand. So we actually sat down and designed a seat cushion that that instead of drawing your legs together, making it uncomfortable, we used the sit bar as a structure underneath the seat and made a more rigid seat pad. And the goal was to keep that seat pad thin. All of our all of our stands over the years have had a very thin profile seat, as you know. And there's some reason and some function behind that. Of course, packability is one, keeping a low profile, um, keeping things compact when you're moving. We also, we use a closed cell foam. That closed cell foam, what it does is it keeps moisture from penetrating the seat. And I've always said, I don't know what's more uncomfortable, a thin or firm seat pad or a thick seat pad that's wet like a sponge when you're out there hunting <laughs> in the elements. So... So one of the reasons, you know, we've always stuck with that is out of function. So what we did is we designed the seat pad for the sit and climb that had a beveled fold in it. So when you clipped it onto your sit bar, you could actually move it back with your leg when you stood up. So you could approach the trunk of the tree to break your silhouette. So everything folded nice and compact back to the back of the stand. It also alleviated the problems of the side webbing pulling in on your legs, drawing your knees together by supporting it with that sit bar so it made it a lot more comfortable again we use that closed cell foam so it doesn't absorb moisture we use a soft brushed cotton fabric underneath in a real tree i think um real tree pattern um the top is a four-way stretch material that was really soft it was quiet all those things that we need to be able to slide in and out of the woods undetected while you're sitting in the stand, if you need to stand up for the shot, the last thing you need on your mind is, is my stand going to make a noise on me? And that is one thing, as you know, with the lone wolf stands, it's the furthest thing from your mind when you lift up a seat on a lone wolf hang-on or you push the seat back on your lone wolf climber, they're not going to make a noise. So we redesigned the seat cushion. Um, looking as we, as we progress a little bit further, I don't know exactly what time it was, the, the little assault hang-on was on a one-inch tube with one Versa button, just one strap. Great mobile setup. It was quick to set up and, and get in and out. But what we really liked about our Alpha hang-ons 
was the adjustability ladder slide system on the post to be able to adjust the cables, which mimics the pitch of the lean, lean of your tree, if that makes sense. Yep. So we thought, man, you know, we could, we could add these same features to the assault, still keep that small platform and make it a, just a lot more user friendly and more efficient out there when you're leveling this, if you got a tree that leans one way or another. So, so we did that. We actually, um, incorporated an inch and a quarter tube on the assault stand with the same ladder slide features that the Alpha Hang On has. We went with the same seat casting that we use actually today on the the Alpha Hang On. We had a lot of guys that were that loved that little stand. They liked the little platform, but they wanted a little bigger seat. So we actually, up until this this point right now we've been using the same seat casting on both of those stands same cushion one of the functions on that thin seat pad on a hang-on stand Dan is that you can actually fold the thing past a 90 degree so when you're in the tree and, and you stand up for a shot and you want to push that seat back against the tree you can actually fold it back and you can get as tight to the tree as possible to break your silhouette the last thing you need to worry about is that seat coming back down on you, making noise, um, and you just want it out of your way. So I thought that was a, a really nice design feature that we incorporated into to the hang-on. Um, did some other minor changes on a leveler pad that the bolt that adjusts the seat comes down on the post with um, that I think really improved the product there. Um, and then moving forward, we um, we've changed some colors on some of the the stands and the climbing sticks, as you've seen over the years. Um, one of the things that that we started with was an anodizing process. And the anodizing process is really good. It impregnates the aluminum. Um, the one thing that I thought could be improved on is it can pick up some glare in the sun, right? Right. So so we've been playing around with different, different processes and, and what we've what we changed along the lines and what we use today is we use a powder coat and with some of the technologies and stuff in, in the powder coating, we actually have a texture to it. So it's a real dull, flat finish with an actual slight texture, almost like light sandpaper. It gives you a lot of grip on the post of your stand and the sticks as well as it disperses the sunlight when it hits it. So it really blends in good against the tree. We got away from the black colors that were originally designed on the lone wolf stands, if you remember those. Yep. And unfortunately, I mean, one of the, I really don't think the deer pick up the black tube as much as, as other hunters do. And, and across the country, certain parts worse than others, we were experiencing our customers with thieves in the woods that are stealing stands. Yep. And, and again, that's very unfortunate. But we're basically, it was more for that purpose than it was for the deer themselves. And and if you think about it, you know, these guys are scanning the hardwoods and they see a vertical or a horizontal line that, that's straight and that stands out and makes that stand stick out to them. So by going to some of these brown tones and different colors over the years, I think we've really helped alleviate some of that that convenience, I guess, of someone that just trespassed and walking on your property and picking out a stand and of course, you know, everyone sees a lone wolf stand. That's a pretty hot commodity if they're into stealing stuff. So right. I think we've right. I think we've done everything we can to try to to help that situation. So 
those are some of the changes in um, 2000, moving up to 2010. Um, there was uh, one of the patents on the main castings was coming mature. And we know, unfortunately, in this industry, you know, there's a lot of our, our design, especially, has been copied by more than anyone. Everyone's trying to knock off or research and copy or mimic something. And, you know, in some cases, I guess that's the best form of flattery. Right. But knowing that um, that was coming, competitors would be knocking off that stand. We actually um, try to take stands, some stands to uh, the overseas to have built, seeing if we could cut costs, seeing if we could get things down to where they were more affordable and still be able to do the same quality. It wasn't a great experience for us. Um, We quickly learned that even if we want to and we're trying to do what we do here in the States, they just can't duplicate the kind of quality, at least in in our product line, um, that we can do here in the United States. Uh, Tolerances on materials, fixtures, Pretty much everything as far as the plastic materials, everything is just so hard to duplicate with the American workforce and the materials that we have here in the States is just so hard to do that. So we weren't happy at all with with what we were seeing there. We brought things back immediately, cut, cut the 2010 season a little bit short and set production up here right right close to home in the Peoria area in 2011 in the spring. We redesigned all new castings that year. We changed the color to a darker brown on all the stands. And uh, the, the casting foundry is actually located just a couple miles here from our assembly plant and our offices, which made things logistically, you know, a, a lot better. Mm-hmm. And the company that it does working for us is doing a lot of, a lot of uh, unique castings and had the experience, of course, working with Harley-Davidson and Hayes Brakes and and some of the big players out there in the industry. And they were really intrigued by the, by the design of this stand. And what was neat is some of the guys there in the foundry, the main guys that were working on it, were hunters themselves. So it took a true passion to what they were doing as we designed these new platforms. And one of the things that we... As things are changing, you know, the bow companies, we've always had a built-in bow holder in our stand, as you know. You know, the parallel limb bows had kind of made their uprising, and I think something that's here probably to stay. And we were running into problems with the new parallel limb bows, and some of the bows with the larger cams weren't fitting in the old bow holder that was built into our lone wolf stands. So... Really, what we were trying to design is something we knew we weren't going to fit all of them because the bow companies are constantly changing with new innovations and different designs. But really trying to find a bow holder that fit at least the majority or as many as we could of those parallel limb bows out there. So when we incorporated the wolf head that you see now in the front of the casting on our stands, it really answered that problem and answered the problem for a right-hand or a left-handed hunter with, uh, if you're familiar with the peg system that we have now in that wolf head bolt holder on the front of that stand, it's got a little rubber coated cap and it actually engages in the cam, which all the cams on these bows today, you know, are pretty open design, as you know, and then they lean forward and the limbs rest on the front ledge of that stand. You know, it's, is it a necessity? 
Maybe not, but just like lone wolf, it's all about efficiency. Right. And I tell you, when you're sitting in your stand and your bow is within an eight-inch reach to get to the handle of it, when that bow is sitting there on the platform, it's that much less movement. Um, it can be very quiet. Um, so that that is something that we as hunters, you know, being efficient and, and making things work in that manner, I guess. I mean, that was very important to us. And I think that this new bolt holder designed since 2011 has been very effective. And don't get me wrong, we know when we're standing up, a lot of times we've got a, a bow holder, of course, in the tree. Anytime, you know, we want to keep that bow as close to us at all possible, you know. Yep. And that bow holder, though, when you're in the sitting position, is just, it, it works well. And I, and I apologize, you know, some bows out there, I guess, you know, may not fit in them because they've got such a large cam now, or maybe there's a certain design that just doesn't allow it to fit as good as others. But um we're shooting the Matthews bows right now, and I knew the new Halon uh, works tremendous in it, and I use it quite a bit. So that that was that was some of the changes there up to that point. Um, as of right now, um, it's it's about efficiencies, Dan. So yeah. if you here recently, I guess if you want to see um, some of the changes that we've done um, in improving on the the efficiencies is our hang-on system. We came out with the stick quiver here recently, if you're familiar with that. Yep, yep. And uh, over the years, we've always been known for stacking our sticks right on our hang-on stands, you know, on that mobile setup going in and out. And one of the things that we wanted to improve on was the profile. We wanted our hang-on stands to take the same low profile that our climbers did. So with that stick quiver, it allowed us to do just that. It, it actually works very similar to the quiver on your bow that accepts your arrows. So now you can hold those climbing sticks in a real low-profile fashion, pop them in and out. They sit side by side. And again, just being quicker and quieter and more efficient at the base of the tree, both when you're coming in and when you're leaving. Nice. So. Talk to talk to us uh, a little bit about the AlphaTech F1 and why you guys decided to introduce that into your lineup as well. Sure. Yeah, the AlphaTech F1 was, I think, really kind of brought about. There was so many, I talked to so many young kids, you know, that were getting into the hunting or that were passionate about the hunting, but maybe didn't have the checkbook for a lone wolf stand. They appreciated the quality and what it was, but, but just just couldn't quite afford at that time of their life, you know, to be able to get into them. And talking to other people across the country, you know, they they call and they see the value there and understand it. But maybe, you know, they got a lot of other expenses like we all do, you know, going on in our lives. Just like you got kids. I mean, there's, that brings on a lot of other expenses. Yep. We wanted to try to make a stand that was more of an intro-level stand at a lesser price point that we could get people – into that stand in the Lone Wolf family, introduce them to some of the features like our offset bracket that gives you right to left leveling on a crooked tree that leans left or right, um, the adjustment on the post with the cables that adjust the platform to a leaning tree, um, all of those type of features that make Lone Wolf so functional, we put into the Alpha Tech line at a lesser price. So it's, it's basically built to be that intro level lone wolf as someone gets into it gets used to those features 
and and see the value there that eventually those people are going to actually get into the American-made cast aluminum high-end lone wolf product line. And we, we've really set that stand up so it works with our stick quiver and some of our other accessories and stuff to be able to use the climbing sticks right along with it. So that kind of brings me to um, my next question, and it's about price. Um, you know, I talked with you one year at the ATA show a, a little bit about this, but uh, you guys are, uh, I guess I would say, the upper echelon of tree stands. Um and, you know, I, I talk to a lot of people about products and everybody complains about, uh, you know, a higher, higher priced items and you guys are a, a higher priced tree stand. Talk to us a little bit about why a lone wolf tree stand is worth that higher dollar amount. Sure. Well, I think one thing too, I guess I'd say at first that if you've noticed kind of over the years that 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 price gap has really gotten smaller i guess between i mean between us and and some of the other tree stands out there and i guess i i wouldn't compare it to the price point stands the commodity cookie cutter stands that you see out there on the market um that's never been us it's never been a market that we cared to be into it was about building a stand that was functional efficient and what we needed as far as quality and dependability. So Lone Wolf has never been about hitting a price point and then building a stand that meets that point. Basically what we've always done in the way we believe is building the stand with the features and the quality that we have to have as serious hunters and gear guys. And the price falls where it does. You know, it is what it is. And, of course, the, the American labor workforce and the labor rate is, is much higher here. But with that, again, I'll touch on the tolerances in our materials um, to keep a stand quiet. Um, having those tight tolerances, the virgin nylon materials, you know, there's no metal-to-metal contact. We don't use any welding anywhere on our stands. So, you know, none of that creaking and expanded metal, any of that popping, the hollow tube design that you that you see in so many of these commodity type stands I'm talking about. It's just, I've always said it's not apples to apples. Um, we, we spend so much time in these stands and trying to improve on them and make them better for the guys that are truly serious about going after mature whitetails and the way things are nowadays, you know, everyone's lives are so busy and, we don't have as much time to hunt that we used to. And, and I think as a whole, the American population, the hunting population doesn't have the time when they're juggling it. Like you said earlier in a conversation, you know, you got, you got family at home, you got a job, you still like to hunt and get out. So when you're so limited on your time, you want to make sure that time is the most quality time you have in the woods when, the, when you do finally get to get out. And the last thing that we want to leave to chance is a tree stand blowing a chance on a big deer because it squeaked or it made a noise, or maybe it was too cumbersome when you were packing it into the woods. So those are all the type of things that we're thinking about when we're building these stands. So we don't cut corners on anything. Um, We even go as far as I hear this a lot, you know, hey, how often do I replace hardware on my stand? You know, my stand's eight, ten years old, and it still looks awesome, still looks new. I don't see any rust. 
we go as far as zinc coating all of our hardware. Um, a lot of guys may not realize that, but unless you scratch or, or mar up those bolts, you're not going to see that rust develop with that zinc coating on it. Um, those are the type of little things that we take into consideration when we're building these stands. Um, we use a silicone lube on all of the moving components in these washers, and that silicone lube literally lasts for years to keep things quiet. You know, and I, you hear over and over on the phone, Dan, that, hey, you know, I've had my lone wolf for 10 years. I've had it for 15 years. It's still just as quiet as the day I bought it. That's what you're paying for with that kind of quality and the American product is a product that lasts and these stands will literally last your hunting career if you go about the proper maintenance on a time schedule and take care of just like your car you're going to maintenance you know replace nuts and bolts and washers replace the straps on a regular basis or when you're seeing any wear on them um, the castings are guaranteed for life and that i think that says something right there about the company and the process and, and standing behind that product so Hopefully that kind of answers the question, I guess, that um, it's a get what you pay for thing. And and until you've actually got one and used it, you know, one of of the the favorite things I love to hear on the phone is a a new customer that finally, you know, bought a lone wolf, whether it's a hang on or climber, and they call back and they're like, you know what, my only regret is not doing this 10 years ago. I finally (laughs) see, you know, I always used to say, you know, well, man, I'd love to have one, but they're just way too expensive. Once they take that that initial dive into it and try it, and not only are they getting a more efficient, quicker, quieter stand, but something with the kind of quality that they're seeing, they're like, man, you know, I've, I've wasted a lot of years. I've, I've uh, blown opportunity at a lot of deer with a stand creaking or popping or making noise. You know, I, I regret not buying it sooner. Yeah. So my next question is, who is your customer. I mean, I, I know you guys have different products, but for the most part, you know, it's broken down to hang on and climber. Who are your customers? Yeah. Well, you know, that that's a good question. And I tell you, it's really interesting too, Dan, because our, our customer is, it's very broad. Um, I see a lot of things, but anywhere from, you know, 18 to 65, um, as far as the age group, but I think the one common denominator on so many of them are those guys that truly research product and and are looking for quality. The guys that do their due diligence when when it comes to not just tree stands but any of their gear. Um, these guys will read reviews. Um, they'll they'll look at read magazines whether they see it on TV or it originally. They're pretty open-minded going into it, but they know what they want. You know, most of these guys are extremists, you know, more athletic style, um, take it to them type guys that, that are aggressive in their hunting approach. Um, but they want the best of gear. Um, same guys that are buying the Sitka clothing, you know, I mean, Sitka is, is someone who we work with very closely as well. Same type of a product, you know. It's got a higher price tag, but when you look at the function and the material and the efficiencies of their system, it really makes sense. And we found that that's kind of our same niche market. Um, a lot of times they'll go hand in hand some of those type of products. Um, 
you know, the same thing I think in the bow industry. There's so you know, there's a lot of good bows out there right now, but those those guys that that are really particular, I guess, about their setup and and a lot of times you'll see those same guys, you know, everything has to match. They want to be consistent. <laughs> you know, our our lone wolf followers, you know, they want the lone wolf backpack straps. They want the lone wolf harness. They want that branding because to them it says something about who they are as a hunter that that hey, you know, I'm not just a a hunter out there. I'm serious about what I do. I'm after big white tail. I've got goals set for myself and this is the kind of equipment that that I need to get the job done and I'm not going to chance it or risk it with something second rate. I mean, that is our customer. Nice. All right. Now, I talk to a lot of people and everybody kind of does, you know, their their setups and I guess products um uh, a little differently. And and what I'm trying to talk what I try to get at, I guess, is um making your guys' stand more quiet or you know doing little tweaks to it to you know either make it more quiet or more efficient for the individual that's using them um do you have any suggestions or or anything maybe to do or maybe to definitely not do when making tweaks or um i guess uh customizations to the tree stand sure i mean that's that's a great question dan and of course there's lots of little things you know especially as particular, I guess, as we are ourselves. Um, you know, I guess, first of all, I want to start, start by saying, I mean, you're already starting with the quietest system, obviously, on the market. But there's only so many things that you can do, I guess. And, and we laugh because we call it idiot-proofing. I'm not calling anyone else an idiot, idiot other than maybe myself. I have to, I have to <laughs> idiot-proof my own gears, you know. Um, so as quiet as this system is, we leave nothing to chance. So we spend a lot of time, you know, just tinkering with, with our gear. Hey, you know, when I'm taking this into the woods, where's a possible problem, you know, where I could create some unwanted noise, either packing it in or setting it up. And, you know, this, this brings, um, brings up a point too, that, um, hopefully this season we actually want to start doing some videos on our website and we'll start sharing them on social media of some of those little tips and, and tactics that we use to make our stands, I guess, idiot proof and, and to do those little things that the average person doesn't think about or may overlook. So um, one of the things that we do is we use moleskin quite often. Um, I think most people are familiar with moleskin. Um, you can find it in pretty much any outdoor sporting goods store, but you know, where the seat makes contact with the platform when you're packing, if there's a chance, you know, when you jump across that drainage ditch or you're packing in and that seat can come away from the platform and make an unwanted noise, there's a great strategic spot for a piece of moleskin, you know, um, those are little things like that. Um, if you, if you watch the videos that we have on our website online that shows how to pack the stands and how to use them and some of the features, I've got a really good video on there, I think, of of the way we use our mobile hang-on setup and showing you how we go up the tree one time. We're attached at all times when we're doing it. And I can be to, on average, you know, six and a half to seven minutes, I can be to 18 foot with a four-piece set of sticks and an alpha hang-on or an assault hang-on. In that video, it shows some of these, you know, what you're talking about, some of these little tips 
and you know some of the things that we've actually developed you know over the years that I didn't touch on earlier are little simple things like our silent tote are you familiar with the silent tote Dan I am not okay what the silent tote is is it's basically the lone wolf version of a bow tote rope so every bow tote rope out there that you've ever seen in the past has a swivel snap on it, right? And you hook your bow onto or your okay. your gear and you pull up. You know, as we were hunting, the one thing that, that I noticed a lot, and maybe it was because of our setup, we'd be hanging a stand and as you're adjusting things up there, you look up and a deer's already coming down the trail. I guess that says one thing about the quietness of, of how you can set these stands up. But at the same time, it happened, you know, multiple, multiple times. And you're pulling your bow up and you're fidgeting around. You may have gloves on and you're fidgeting around with that swivel snap, trying to get it unhooked from your bow. And so what I started doing is the first thing I'd do when I bought a tote rope, I'd cut the bottom of it off and I would get a green stick about four inches long and cut a notch in it and I'd tie it onto the bottom of that string. And what I'd do is I would poke it through the cam of my bow and turn it sideways on the other side, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. And then I would pull that bow up, and with one hand, I could actually pop that thing back through the cam, and I got a bow that I could knock an arrow, and I'm ready to go. Nice. So I always thought, you know, hey, here's another efficiency out there that no one's thought of. No one's manufactured or marketed something like this. Why not just mold a T at the end of these ropes that you can do just that with? So we developed a silent tote. So in that video, you can see how we, we use two silent totes, one to pull our stand up in the tree safely, and one is attached to the stand that's threaded through the cam of our bow that we can pull our bow up with. Um, most backpacks have a handle loop on the top of them, as you know. Stick this thing through that handle loop, same thing. You know, you got an operation now that you can do one-handed and with gloves on if it's colder weather, just another efficiency in the woods, you know, brought to you by Lone Wolf, I guess, those type of things. And, you know, here we developed the stick quiver. It was the same kind of tinkering, I guess, that you're talking about. Um, how do we make something more efficient where we can just pop these things on and off? I don't even strap my sticks on my stand anymore with the stick quiver. Um, so what I started doing is as quiet as that system can be, I actually use athletic tape, hockey tape, I guess. Yep. And I put it in strategic locations on the post of that stand. When I stick that stick quiver on, it makes it even quieter. It makes it grip even a little bit better. And then I do the same thing on the climbing sticks where they actually attach to the stick quiver. And not only does it keep things a little bit quieter all the time as you're in a hurry or it's in the dark maybe and you're fumbling around, but it gives you a jig so you know with my headlamp I can see exactly where I need to pop those sticks into that quiver without fumbling or fidgeting around too long. So those are some of the things I guess that we do and I'd love to elaborate on some of that in some videos this year where we can kind of train and and show people I guess things that we found to make these stands you know even better even quieter. Um, we, we even um, we even adjust our replacement straps, the belts that go around the tree, you know, on our hang-on stands as we're pulling them up into the tree. We use moleskin on the side of those buckles in case they could make metal-to-metal contact. Right. And we go as far as actually when we, I do it second nature now, but 
you know, to educate people, we'll adjust each strap just a little bit different, maybe six inches different. So if those two buckles were swinging as you pulled that stand up the tree, that they can't physically make contact with each other. Right. You know, those, those are the little things, I guess, that we've learned over time that, that make an idiot-proof setup and, and keep you so much quieter and give you a better opportunity when when we're going into the woods and literally hanging these stands, you know, 80 to 100 yards from bedded mature whitetail um, and hanging them and hunting, and, and that's what it's all about. And, and if you can pull that off, you know, you got a, you got a super quiet system. So Nice. My last question uh, today, Jared, and I want to say thanks for uh, taking time out of do uh, out of your day to do this. I I know you're busy because you know everybody wants a lone wolf right now. But but what's what's coming? Uh, what's you know what's the future look like? Any any new products that you can share with us on the show, or anything you know that you guys are maybe thinking about or planning about for maybe 2017 or beyond? Right. Well, I can't elaborate too much in detail, as you can imagine, but we are working on some different things. Um, I think some things that you're going to see in the future, um, maybe some different seat designs, um, things that basically answer a better way of folding the stand to make them even flatter, Um, scent elimination, you know, to be able to cut down on any scent contamination, even even though the closed cell foam helps a ton, but there's always ways to improve on that. Mm-hmm. Um, comfort, you know, if we can still keep a low profile, you know, some of the new technologies and some of the new materials and stuff that are out there nowadays that weren't maybe available originally are things that we're looking at right now to give some different versions of the same stand, uh, hang-on stands, you know, that these guys like and that we've been using, but maybe, you know, fit in some of those different markets. You know, one guy may love the setup exactly like it is, and someone else may like a little different style. And I think giving guys some options on that, I think, is what you're going to see coming. Um, We're playing around with some different designs on some camera arms, Um, something that's affordable for the, you know, as you know, Dan, I mean, now, I mean, there's a lot of people hitting the woods with a camera arm. Right. And and wanting to do their self-filming and, and some of the cameras on the market today, and, you know, these HD cameras, it's very easy to pick up a pretty inexpensive camera for anybody and go out and film their hunt. Right. And so I think where the market is and the camera arm market is more of a, I think it has to be a very high quality, compact unit that people can drop in their pack and something that's easy to use and come in, you know, at a, at a relatively affordable price you know these guys aren't filming for tv you know they just want something to be able to go back and watch and archive their hunts over the years so we're we're, we're trying to um to work along those lines to be able to bring people that type of product um i think some of the biggest things that we're working on is you know i often look at the stands you know they get harder and harder to improve on and i don't mean in that that in any arrogance at all it's just when you when it's not broke you know you don't have to fix it type thing and so it gets more difficult when you got a stand that's really efficient and really quiet and and works well is just maybe utilizing some of the new technologies that come out maybe that you can you know just make something a little bit better tweaking it here and there and i think where we're really focused on are things like the stick quiver things like the silent tote 
to be able to go along with this stand and, and climbing sticks or whether it's our climber with that system and make it even more efficient, cut down the setup time for people, keep them quieter, um, all those things, you know, that, that really when you put it all together makes a better hunting experience. And, and basically we're out to make people more successful um, with their hunt. You know, a lot of these guys are after mature whitetail and we have nothing against uh, meat hunting or managing the doe population. Don't get me wrong, but everybody's dream, as you know, is to kill a giant whitetail. And I think we're really cater to those type of people and help them get that accomplished. All right. Well, perfect. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time. And uh, I look forward to talking with you at the ATA show and seeing what's going to be coming down the pipe. Absolutely. It was a pleasure talking to you, Dan. All right. Huge shout out to Jared for taking time out of his day and coming on the show to talk about Lone Wolf. Also, a huge shout out to each and every one of you who uh, took the time out of your day to download this podcast and give it a listen. Thank you very much. Now, Jared and Lone Wolf have decided to take part in this week's giveaway, and uh, or the, the giveaway for this podcast anyway, and they have decided to give away some stick quivers and some tote ropes that they, that they have newly designed and uh, let you guys uh, test that, those out. Now, here's how you win. First thing you have to do is go to the Nine Finger Chronicles Facebook page, share the Facebook post that mentions this podcast. Then you go over to the Lone Wolf Facebook page. There's, there's going to be a link on that post. And uh, you have to like their page and send, make the comment, Nine Fingers sent me. And uh, by doing those two things, just like always, uh, that gets you entered into the drawing, and I'll pick a winner next week. So there's that. Other than that, leave a review for me on iTunes. Join me on Facebook. Join me on Instagram, Twitter. And uh, as always, if you guys want to be a part of a Hunter Profile podcast or a product review podcast, send me an email or message me through Facebook. My email address is ninefingerchronicles at gmail.com and uh, we can make it happen. So thank you very much and thank you very much and thank you very much and thank you very much for tuning in and with hunting season starting, with hunting season happening and you guys are getting up in a tree, wear your damn safety harness. Have a good week.